Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. Yo, it's your boy, the odd guy himself, Malik King Scott. Hi, I'm Charlie Edwards. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 109 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host Joey Coastman. I'm joined this time by Diego, a man that has obviously stepped in the shoes of Ayaz before when he's been absent. Ayaz is out with a little bit of a family issue and Diego's a man that of course used to be in connection with the boxing voice but to me he is the knight in shining armour. He always comes through and saves the day. Diego, thank you so much for coming on once again. Yeah, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure Joey. Thank you for having me on. Hey, it's my pleasure, sir. It's my pleasure. Right, let's roll with it. Let's dive straight into the review part of the show from last week. I'm going to start over in the Victoria Warehouse in Trafford Road, Manchester. A bit of a strange-sounding venue, this one. Just one fight to mention over here. Craig Cunningham, the guy that actually beat... um, Anthony Agogo in in Agogo's last fight where he looked absolutely awful. I was quite excited to see what you know what Craig Cunningham could do with that win as well. And uh, unfortunately, he racked up a loss here to a guy called Lucas Undufalama, who um, I've never really heard of, but it was some kind of weird card up in Manchester. I think it was actually billed as like Britain against Africa. It seemed like a lot of British fighters were fighting African fighters, and unfortunately, Craig Cunningham actually lost. So. Um, it was a it was a points loss over ten rounds. So Craig Cunningham now nineteen and two, and he, uh, the guy he fought actually was ten and one, and he lost to a guy who had an awful record as well. So a bit of a strange one there. Right, moving on from that to the Royal Highland Centre in Edinburgh, Scotland, United Kingdom. This one, of course, was on Channel Five Live. Um, I'm going to just scoot really through the undercard real quick. Um, a guy called Lee McGregor made his debut. It was a TKO in round one for him. He's talking about perhaps fighting for the British title sometime next year. You know, it might be a bit of a step too quickly for me, honestly. Uh, on that bill also, Chantel Cameron looked good. She moved to 4-0 and with a TKO in round three against Edith Ramos. This one was for the vacant IBO Intercontinental Female Super Featherweight title. So, good stuff there for Chantel Cameron. Of the women coming through at the moment, I think she's one of the prettier ones, if I'm being completely honest, uh, boxing aside. Uh, also on this bill, Jason Easton, 10-0, and took on Joseph Zadranik. Uh, this is a fight I don't think I saw. I don't remember seeing that one. But anyway, Jason Easton picked up the win unanimously over 12 rounds and also picked up the IBO Intercontinental Super Lightweight title. Uh, he's now 11-0, Jason Easton. And his opponent, he took the O of Joseph Zadranik, who's now 9-1. and Um... I think that's really it. I mean, well, Martin Bacoli Ilunga was on the bill as well. Also, um, a man that's being highly touted, a heavyweight, of course. He moved to 10-0 and with a KO in round one against previously undefeated Ali Baghouz, who was 10-0 and with one draw. Some of these names are quite hard to pronounce here. This one was also for the vacant IBO Continental Heavyweight title. Anyway, the main event on this bill, Josh Taylor, 10-0. and That's the man we came to watch, we came to see. It was for the WBC Silver Super Lightweight title, the title that he won off O'Hara Davies and he took on Miguel Vasquez the former world champion Miguel Vasquez 39 and 5 in search of win number 40 Um, Diego I know that you didn't see this fight so I'm just going to 
this for it, but I was saying on last week's show, there's some crazy facts attached to Miguel Vasquez, of course, former world champion. And one of the facts that I really like, and again, for people that listened last week, they're going to have heard this, so I'm going to try to kind of wrap for it as quick as I can. Um, Vasquez actually made his debut. He actually fought Canelo on his debut, which was quite crazy, and he actually only lost a split decision. It was really close. Uh, he then went on to have 18 wins, and then he took on Tim Bradley. He lost that unanimously. After that, he put three wins together back-to-back before rematching Canelo. On the undercard, when he took on Canelo for the second time, Canelo's, uh, well, three of Canelo's brothers made their debuts, and all of them lost, which is mad. But Canelo actually beat Vasquez convincingly this time, a unanimous decision over 10 rounds. After that, Vasquez put together 13 wins in a row, including becoming the first man to beat Breedis Prescott, who once upon a time knocked out Amir Khan. He also beat Leonardo Zapovigna, Marcito Gesta and Denis Shafakov. All guys there uh, were unbeaten and also inside the 13-win streak, he won the IBF lightweight title and successfully defended it six times before losing to Mickey Bay on a split decision on a Mayweather undercard. Um, since then, he's had six fights, winning five and only losing one to Argenis Mendez. So it was a real big step up for Josh Taylor, and I tell you what, boy oh boy did he deliver. Um, I won't say I was surprised. I think that, you know, Josh Taylor's such a such a talent. I mean, the way he took apart O'Hara Davis was certainly impressive, and this one was his real kind of first test you know we didn't really know how good O'Hara was to, to say that he was like a like a world contender I think it's a bit of a stretch but this got you know this was a guy that had never been stopped previously and this was a guy that of course had reigned the world you know for, 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 for quite a while at some point obviously I think he'd probably seen better days but yeah what an impressive performance from Josh Taylor I mean he does what he does he um he was the taller guy, he was the bigger guy out of the two, and I thought there's a chance he may just sit back and box this guy, but he didn't. He actually brought the fight to him. He was the man on the front foot for the you know, for the entire fight, to be honest, and he actually got the KO in round nine. It was a beautiful, beautiful punch as well that concluded the fight. And I've got to say, I'm so excited about Josh Taylor. I think the uh, you know, the Scottish fight fans have got so much to look forward to, especially the way he's been put on terrestrial TV for everybody to watch. I think it's brilliant what they're doing with him and uh, long may it continue to be honest Um, credit to all people involved with him the McGuigan team and the rest moving over now to the Metro Radio Arena in Newcastle this was the Frank Warren show the rematch of course it was billed no ifs no buts of course we all know about the the headbutt or the punch depends who you ask in the first fight between Liam Smith and Liam Williams this time it really didn't live up to expectations the fight didn't have as much action as the first one I think it was um For the first few rounds, anyway, it was quite a cagey affair. Uh, Liam Smith, of course, going in with a record of 25-1 and with one draw. Liam Williams, 16-1 and with one draw. I think that the first couple of rounds... I mean, I gave them... I can't really remember how I scored it completely... you know, completely. I can't remember how I scored it for for the whole thing. I think the middle rounds, in my opinion, I think that uh, Liam Smith actually came alive a little bit in the middle rounds, whereas I think Liam Williams started quite well, just like in the first fight, but it wasn't as apparent. I think there were still some close rounds at the beginning of the fight. Some people gave those rounds to Liam Smith. But I think that Liam Williams probably started the better. He was able to use his jab a lot better than last time, I felt. Um, Both guys were, you know, landing uppercuts, which was quite impressive. Um, the right uppercut was a, was was a great punch for both men. But no, Liam Williams, I don't know what it was, man. He just looked a little bit flat. I think maybe he was possibly, 
you know, in, in the scare that he may run out of steam um, down the course of the rounds. I think he kind of paced himself a little bit. And in the middle of the fight, like I say, Liam Smith really brought the fight to him and clearly won those rounds. And then in the later part of the fight, Liam Williams kind of came on strong. And then the last couple of rounds, I think uh, Liam Smith probably won the last two rounds pretty uh, clearly. It's a shame because I'm a big Liam Williams fan. I really wanted him to do it. I felt like you know there was some serious injustice in the first fight. And unfortunately, he wasn't able to capitalize on his second opportunity here. There won't be a third fight, I'm guessing. Some people actually gave it to Williams, though, which... Um I mean, I didn't find it hard to believe, but online, on Twitter, people were absolutely going crazy, saying that it was a robbery and stuff like that. I don't think you could really say it was a robbery. It was a majority decision in favour of Liam Smith. He's now 26-1 and with one draw. Liam Williams now 16-2 and with one draw. Much better than his record suggests on paper, Liam Williams, but... Um, you know, there was a point in the fight where, where Liam Williams' trainer, Gary Lockett, of course a Welshman, of course he's in the corner of Liam Williams, he actually said to his fighter that he's a couple of rounds down. Barry Jones, a Welshman, a very proud Welshman on the commentary, was you know was saying that uh, Williams was down in the fight and he actually gave the fight to Liam Smith. And in the post-fight interview in the ring, Liam Williams himself actually said that he thought the right man won in Smith. But despite all that, people were still taking to Twitter to go crazy about it. Um, you know, it's, it's funny how divided this sport is. It depends who you ask. It depends, uh, you know, how they look at it. It's, it's, it's a mad sport, but, you know, it's a sport that we love. Moving down this bill once again, Thomas Patrick Wall, 21-0, and 0, moved to 22-0. and 0. I think he's um, he's a fighter that's got quite a bright future. He defended successfully his British super bantamweight title against Sean Davis. Sean Davis now 13-2. and 2. It was a unanimous decision in favour of Thomas Patrick Wall. Um... Josh Lever on the bill again against Glenn Foote. This was like the grudge match of the bill. It was for the IBF East and West Europe super lightweight title. Josh Lever moved to 13-0. Glenn Foote now uh, 21-3. Like I say, there was some real bad blood between the pair on fight week. I think... Um, I'm not sure if they made up after the fight. I can't remember if they did, but... Um, maybe they did. I can't really remember now, but... Yeah, I mean, Level was down in the second round. It was a beautiful, beautiful shot by Glenn Foote. I mean, he put it together, uh, you know, he telegraphed it really well. Um, it was set up with the jab. It was just a simple one-two straight down the middle. And Josh Lever really went down quite heavy. Um, you know, he took his he took his time getting back up as well, which I think was a clever thing to do. Um, Foote actually had a point deducted in the sixth round. I think that was because he spat his gum shield out and the referee thought it was intentional. I think he even tried to catch his gum shield as it fell out his mouth. I'm not quite sure that he did mean to do it but anyway that point there um you know being took away actually played a part in the decision i think if i'm not mistaken i can't remember this fight there was so many on but um that no, was a good fight you know it was it was a good fight some people saying it was fight at the weekend i think you know the bits that i did see of it because i was you know channel surfing a lot during this one and uh no it was it seemed to be a good fight but moving on from that mark heffron moved to 18 and 0 against lewis taylor who was really mark heffron's first step up it was a tko in round seven for heffron lewis taylor now 19 and 5 with one draw mark heffron as i said there 18 and 0 a fighter that i'm really looking forward to seeing his future pan out um unfortunately the fight wasn't on tv which i thought was quite shocking um 
Also on this bill, the final fight to mention here, Nathan Gorman moved to 11-0. He also picked up the vacant WBC International Silver Heavyweight title. He took on the previously undefeated Mohamed Saltby, who was 13-0. We wanted to see Nathan Gorman take on Nick Webb. It wasn't to be, but it was a TKO in round five for Gorman. He looked pretty good, but I'd like to see him in there really, you know, with somebody that we've... You know, somebody with with a with a genuine threat level to him. They're talking about the Daniel Dubois fight in 2018. If I was him, I'd stay well away from Daniel Dubois. All respect to him. But anyway, moving over now to the States at the Save Mart Arena in Fresno, California, USA. I'm just going to fly through this one. Uh, who was on this bill? Jose Carlos Ramirez, 20-0, put his WBC Continental America's Super Lightweight title on the line against the previously undefeated Mike Yes Indeed Reed, who was 23-0. Boy, oh boy, Mike Reed was down in the second round and he was stopped in the second round. He was uh, taking a bit of a beating. I won't, I won't really say that he seemed to be too hurt, but he got put down by a good shot. Um, he then, he then kind of got back up and and he ended up on the ropes. And you know, this, you know, Jose Ramirez was just throwing tons and tons of punches and he kind of forced a stoppage simply because Mike Reed wasn't really throwing back he was covering up he was being hit all over his all over his torso really the head the body all over the place and uh, you know really really impressive finish there from Jose Ramirez he's now become a fighter that I'm really looking forward to see his future pan out I mean Mike Reed was a guy that I felt you know he's 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 quite small for the weight. I mean he certainly looks small in there against Ramirez, and I'm not quite sure if his is his suited weight. I mean Mike Reed is good, but in his last fight he didn't really look too impressive, and in this fight, you know it was it was one where he just couldn't get going. I think Mike Reed's um, he's not really got the power to keep these big boys off, and I think that Jose Ramirez really just you know an unbelievable win there. He's now 21 and 0, and you know, he's going to be, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's going to probably be ranked now with the WBC. He might have even been ranked before that, so credit to him. Great, great win. And the main event on this one, of course, this was on Box Nation, by the way, at the, uh, the early hours of Sunday morning. The main event, Arta Baturbiev, 11-0, took on Enrico Colin, 23-1. I actually picked on this um, this fight. I went I went last week with a Baturbiev knockout, because Baturbiev had knocked out everybody that he'd fought in his 11 fights thus far. I as went with Baturbiev to win on points and I tell you what, Ayaz came very close to getting that right uh, it was it was a funny situation, I mean Baturbiev didn't really look too good I think Colin was a little bit tougher than what we gave him credit for really going into the fight, Colin was down twice in round 12 and I think they actually waved it off I mean the first knockdown I don't think was a big one I think the second one was was I don't know, they were, they were knockdowns but they weren't he didn't seem like he was on the verge of being absolutely put to sleep, if you know what I mean. And I think there was only about 23 seconds in the round from it going the full distance. So I think the referee kind of, I don't know what it was. I don't want to say he wanted to stop the fight, but I think it was a, a tad premature. I don't want to be too harsh, too critical there, because I think, you know, he, he may well have been properly knocked out but he just he just I don't know I couldn't really see it happening in the final 23 seconds there I think he deserved to go the distance especially in or at least given the chance to go the distance especially in a world title fight of this level it was of course for the IBF vacant world light heavyweight title one of the belts that Andre Ward gave up moving over now to the Nassau Coliseum in Union down New York USA this one was the Matchroom USA launch if you like on the bill Connor Ben moved to 10-0 a KO in 
round two against Brandon Sanudo, who was seven and six. Um, you know, Connor Ben just he did what he does really. I mean, he got in there. I think Sanudo came to win. I think there was there was parts of the fight where Sanudo was coming forward and putting the jab on Connor Ben, but ultimately Connor Ben stopped it with a brutal, brutal body shot. It was really well timed. I think people got to kind of get off Connor Ben's back a little bit. You know, he hasn't really had the amateur experience. Of course, he's got big shoes to fill, but we've got to kind of step back a little bit and go, hey, look, you know, he's not his old man. He, you know, he's just really starting out in, in many ways, and yeah, he's he's now ten and zero. But um, you know, let's, let's give him a little bit of time. I, I I quite like Connor Ben. He's been very active. We like to see that. And while he was out the ring for quite a while with a back injury, I think it was, or or a nose injury, or something like that. He was out with an injury, and he really come back looking brilliant. Like he really impressed me when I saw him come back. He seems to have, you know, really really grown as a fighter now so I'm really excited for him um, also on this bill Cletus Seldin 20 and oh, I didn't know too much about him a little bit of a throwback fighter he took on Roberto Ortiz 35 and 1 with 2 draws this was a real step up for Cletus Seldin uh, Roberto Ortiz had only lost one fight previously and it was to Lucas Matisse a man that can put anything to sleep um yeah, so Cletus Seldon actually knocked Roberto Ortiz out in the third round. It was a TKO. Ortiz was down twice in the first round as well. So really impressive stuff there from Cletus Seldon. He's a guy that uh, I think there's a lot to like about him. But now the two main fights on this bill. I'm going to go over to you, uh, Diego. Jarrell Miller, of course, big baby, 19-0 and 0 with one draw, took on Marius Wack. Marius Wack, 33-2. and 2. His only two losses was to Povetkin and Vladimir Klitschko. So, um, but yeah, no, he was, you know, he's a durable guy, obviously, Wack. I mean, he came in not really in the best of shape, I don't think. I know he's done many, many rounds with Anthony Joshua. I think that really Wack's, I don't know, it just kind of reminded me a little bit I want to say he reminded me a little bit of, I don't want to be too harsh, but he kind of reminded me a little bit of Hellanius when he fought Dillian White the other week. He just sort of came to survive. I mean, he's a much bigger guy and he wasn't using his reach or anything. Um, mm. You know, it was just just seemed to be one of those fights, really. What did you make of it anyway, Diego? Yeah, I mean, uh, that was a, it was an interesting fight. The thing is, what you have with Jarrell Miller, you've got a... you've got a special type of athlete there because at first glance, he doesn't look as what we're accustomed to now, you know, the jacked up or lean sort of uh, heavyweights that we're sort of, let's say, uh, Wild or Joshua that we're seeing. He's a bit different, but what you can see is that he's, uh, he's punch rate, his work output is just, it's really impressive. I know that, I mean, there's been quite a lot of criticism that from what I've heard and what I've seen online uh, with regards to his, uh, his performance this Saturday. But the thing is, I think taking into consideration the the weight he has cut down in, from his previous fight, it's been, it's been it was it's quite a lot, and also the fact that uh, with his size as well, I mean I know he's he's been he's used to fighting fighters which are much taller than him, but I think just because of his weight, his body structure, maybe that has sort of some bearing on the way he he fights his fights basically, and so that's why I found I find. Although there were, I could criticize certain parts of his fighting style that on Saturday, I think it's interesting to see how he consistently stays on, on the fighter, pressures the fighter. He's got a slow pace to, about him, but he still gets the job done. And um, I think moving forward, I mean, if he improves and he still maintains this, this work rate, it would be interesting to see him against a fighter who, who fades. 
For example, we know Anthony Joshua's got all the attributes, he's got all the talent, but a weakness which has been highlighted a lot is his his his, uh, his tendency to to fade later on. So maybe that would be an interesting point to see. And uh, the fight, I mean, personally, I found the fight really interesting. I found the fight at times it was a bit boring. You could see you could see it sort of have an idea of what was going to be the end outcome, but it still was enough to keep me intrigued. Uh, Marius Wack, he's not the best of the best, not not by far, but I think he's a durable fighter. I mean, there there are similarities with him and Robert Hellenius in the attitude they showed on that on that day, but I still think that given you have to be a type of fighter to beat these these fighters at this stage of their career. And uh, if Jared Miller wasn't maybe an above-average fighter or a good fighter, he wouldn't have beat uh, Marius Wack. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, like like you say, like you highlight there, you know, he hasn't really got the most uh, the most best-looking body. I think it's fair to say, um, you know, he's quite. It is quite surprising about his punch output, and like you say, his work rate. He, he throws a lot of shots, um, and he doesn't really seem to tire too much. I mean, in this fight, I think there was times where he was being pushed back a little bit. He wasn't yeah. the stronger of the two, and I think that in some parts of it, he did look a little bit tired. But to get that knockout, um, you know, to, to get that knockout in round nine, I think it's quite an impressive thing there. I mean, Wax. Wax corner. I mean, they were they were sort of they were in there like you know trying to get him to fight on, and and, and to a certain extent, I think he wanted to, but the referee just kept getting the doctors in. I don't know why they just he just yeah. kept bringing the doctors onto the onto the ropes, and I I don't really know why, but I mean it was it was unexpected. I think I actually picked uh, Jarrell Miller to go the distance and win on a points decision, but uh, yeah, it wasn't to be. He got the knockout there. But yeah, moving on from this fight now, moving on from that fight. But by the way, actually, just before we do, Diego, they're, they're obviously yeah. talking about a, a potential fight down the line between uh, Big Baby Miller and Dillian White. I think that's an absolutely brilliant fight. Definitely. Who do you see winning that one if it comes down to it? Personally, I think I'd, I see Jarrell Miller winning. I mean, I think Dillian White, I wasn't impressed with his last fight. I mean, there's nothing really that impresses me about Dillian White. I mean... When I saw that, when I, I was at the fight when I saw him against Anthony Joshua, and that sort of captivated me, and that sort of left, led me to continue following his following his career. But with Jarrell Miller, there's something that sort of impresses me, and that's just how he moves, the way he moves, at the size he is, and his output. But with Dylan White, there's nothing really that impresses me. And uh, after the Derek Chisora fight, I mean, it was a it was a really impressive fight. It was a fight that was captivating, but. What he showed against Robert Hellenius doesn't really give me enough confidence to to go ahead and give him my vote. And, um, so, and the thing is, something which is which is really sort of which is good as well of this fight is the fact that they're both similar in that where they are at in the stage. I mean, Dylan White, he's a, he's obviously ranked now number one in the WBC, which is which is good for him, and it will move him closer to getting the the world championship. But I mean, I think they're they're both sort of in a similar place. I mean, their character, the way they're sort of uh, the personality, and I also think in the way that they're sort of they're fighters which the, the let's say the boxing hardcore fans want to see them fight, want to see them get involved, but they're sort of not they still haven't broken through into the general public. So I think this would pro- this would be a good a great fight for both of them. 
yeah, hopefully it does get made. I think it's a it's a really good fight. Hopefully, I think they're talking about maybe a, a February date for Dillian White. I'd really like to see that fight happen. Um, yeah, moving on to the main event now, and this is the final fight to mention from last week. The main event here. Uh, Daniel Jacobs, 32-2, and two, took on the previously undefeated Lewis Arias, 18-0. and oh, Lewis Arias, a man that's been on this show uh, quite a few times now. Lewis Arias was telling me the other week that there's no way in the world he was going to lose the fight. And I tell you what, just the man's confidence, it kind of made me think, I can't really pick against him. I mean, he's he was so, so confident. It was hard to go against him. In the end, I actually picked Danny Jacobs to win by a knockout, which didn't happen. Um... But it was hard to go against Arias. I mean, when you actually saw them both in the ring, Danny Jacobs was clearly the much bigger guy. Um, Luis Arias didn't really have the, the strength to kind of keep him off. He kept falling short of his shots, and he kept getting caught coming in. Um, you know, he didn't really stand in the ring like he said he was going to do. I don't want to criticize him too much. Like I say, I do like Luis Arias. Um, but no, I think Danny Jacobs just really showed us once again that he really is one of the top guys at middleweight. I mean, aside from Canelo and, and Golovkin and maybe one or two of the others like Lemieux, Saunders, he really is right up there. Even though he hasn't got a belt, he really is one of the best guys. I mean, we saw him go into Southpaw momentarily. He seems to be able to fight well out of both stances. I think he's he's really come on as a fighter, you know, since those days where he, you know, he got stopped by uh, by Pirog. I think he's just become such a such a really good fighter recent you know in in the recent couple of years really um ever since i saw him take out peter quillin the way he did i mean ever since then he's just been really good he arguably could have got the nod over golovkin and here you know he just in my opinion i think he kind of shut out luis arias who who by the way i think luis arias is a really talented guy i mean he didn't really get to show it in this one but luis arias in my opinion is a man that could go on to win world titles i think he's very very skilled and you know the size was a big factor i felt but you know, he, he did what he did, and, you know, he won very impressively, it wasn't the best fight at times, I think, um, I was, I was looking forward really to more action going into the fight, but, listen, he did what he had to do, and it was a great performance, his first one, of course, under Eddie Hearn, and he got the job done, and he got the job done with an impressive shutout, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a good win, what did you make of it, Diego, before we wrap up part one? Yeah, it was a, it was a good fight, um, Initially, I was going for Danny Jacobs uh, when I was starting seeing you know, the press conferences. I mean, the lead up to the fight in the last week, um, I actually ended up uh, opting for Luis Arias. Um, I thought he was gonna. I don't know. I thought that maybe he he could have the, the possibility. I mean, of, of you know causing an upset. I mean, he's a fighter that wasn't the Mayweather boxing club, so you know he's he's got a, he's got a good amount of talent. Not just because of that, but what he's shown in his previous fights. I think, maybe I think for me personally, I think the key difference here wasn't necessarily. I mean, you could see a clear distance between talent levels, but I think was it, a lot of it was experience as well, because you've seen Danny Jacobs have difficulties with fighters which are less talented than, uh, let's say, Luis Arias in Sergio Mora. So I think maybe experience played a, a major key in this fight, and I think that that was possibly the maybe what, what sort of shifted the fight towards Danny Jacobs even more. The size was a key factor. You could see it for, as soon as they started. You could see Danny Jacobs was the, the bigger guy. He was the, he looked the stronger guy. And in Lewis Arias, you saw, you could see that maybe 
his fighting style, which is an aggressive fighting style, wasn't suited or didn't translate into this fight just because the other fighter was, was stronger or better than him in, in most areas where it was important for him to show his his his, uh, his ability. So I think moving forward, I mean, personally, I'd like to see, I think Luis Arias, I'd like to see him back on TV. I'd like to see him possibly against someone like Charlo. I don't know how, how viable that is, but that'd be a good fight. Um, and Danny Jacobs, yeah, I mean, I personally rank him alongside... Golovkin, I think he would. I think he would beat Canelo. Canelo's a talented guy, but I think Danny Jacobs is the type of fighter that would possess and would present uh, difficulties for Canelo. So I mean, we've all got to. We've, there's a lot of happen. There's a lot of things happening right now in the middleweight division. We have to see what happens with Lemieux, Billy Joe, and then going into the next year, we can see how it all plays out. But I mean, without a doubt, you can see that the middleweight division is starting to take a lot of now. Uh, a lot of steam going ahead and uh, it's going to be really interesting in the next few few months yeah i echo those sentiments um like i say a great win and hopefully uh you know lewis arias bounces back a little bit smarter a little bit better we certainly wish him all the very best for his comeback which i'm sure will be sometime early of next year just before we wrap up the review part i just want to go over to the predictions of course the prediction league now i had a shocking prediction league last weekend i actually um I picked Miller to win on points. That didn't happen. I picked Jacobs to win by knockout. That didn't happen. I picked Liam Williams to win on points. That didn't happen. I picked Josh Taylor to win on points. That didn't happen. The only one I got right was Baturbiev to win by knockout, which, like I say, really and truly, I don't think uh, it should have happened. I think really it could have gone the distance. It was only the last 23 seconds or so that actually got me a point there. But anyway, Ayaz did better than me. He picked Jacobs to win on points and Liam Smith to win on points. So he gets two points. I get one, but incredibly, once again, the, the listeners outdo us here. They picked Big Baby to win by knockout. That happened. They picked Baturbiev by knockout and Josh Taylor by knockout. So really, really impressive predictions from our listeners. And the league at the moment, it currently stands at I'm in third place with 12 points. Ayaz is with 13 points in second place. And the listeners booming ahead with 15 points now. But again, there's going to be a few points up for grabs this weekend. We will get onto that in part two, of course. Anyway, that wraps up the review. And the last thing to do before we end part one, of course, is to welcome guest number one. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the undefeated and current WBO featherweight champion of the world, Mr. Oscar Valdez. Oscar, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me here. Hey, it's my pleasure, sir. It's my pleasure. So, Oscar, sometimes when I speak to people for the first time, I like to ask boxers, how did you get into boxing in the very beginning? How young were you when you first put on a pair of gloves? I got into boxing because my father and my family are very big boxing fans. And, uh, you know, my dad was also a boxer. He, uh, he never went professional. He was a great amateur fighter, and he would go to the gym a lot, so... I thought it all started, you know, just trying to follow my dad's footsteps, just following him to the gym. And uh, it really just happened out of nowhere, just going to the gym and they threw a pair of gloves on me. You know, we just were sparring with a couple of kids and I, we realized that I, I had a little bit of talent, you know, when I was eight years old. When I was nine, I had my first amateur fight, um, which I lost. You know, my, my first four fights as an amateur, I lost. You know, it was a point where I thought, you know, boxing wasn't for me, but I'm very glad that I did. I never gave up and I always try to follow my dreams and, you know, it, it lead to me to where I am right now. 
Yeah, it's been it's been a seriously uh, interesting journey. Now, in the amateurs, obviously, you fought some great fighters. Some of the guys that you fought in the amateurs are now doing great things in their pro careers. Of course, you fought the likes of uh, John Joe Nevin, Joseph Diaz, Vasyl Lomachenko. Of course, how good are those guys? What was it like to share the ring with those guys, Oscar? You know, those experiences, those experiences fighting these great fighters, these um, great fighters like Lomachenko, like John Joe Nevins, you know, uh, Joseph Diaz, and even other guys that are not very known for some reason, but there are great talents. Like I've fought some guys from, from Thailand and from, from Uzbekistan and uh, Cuba and all these fighters, you know, are doing good as a professional. So all those, all those experiences that I had as an amateur has helped me a lot now as a professional because I fought the best, you know, I fought the best as an amateur and you know, I fought all, all different types of styles, you know, softballs, uh, orthodox, you know, short, tall, different uh, type of boxers that want to box, that could brawl. And that, you know, I got, I got a lot of experience uh, being a two-time Olympian. Uh, it has definitely helped me a lot as a professional. And of course, you turned pro in November of 2012, so you've been a pro for five years this month. Now, by July 2014, you were 11-0 and with 11 knockouts before running into Juan Ruiz. Now, of course, that fight was the first time that you went the distance. It was only an eight-rounder. Um, since that fight, every fight you've been in, which is another, there's been another 11 fights since that fight. Every fight you've been in, you've either knocked somebody out or you've been down yourself and got up to win. So it's safe to say that you really do bring the action and the excitement when you fight, Oscar. You know, I guess it just comes out naturally because um, uh, my intentions, obviously, are never to fall down. And um, my intentions are always just to win. Uh, it doesn't really matter if I knock them down or knock them out. My my main goal is just to get that that win and have my hands up in the air and just come back to my family. That's all I really want. But for some reason, you know, we just didn't, we have done uh, great fights. You know that what what the fans like. So you know it just comes out naturally. Just working harder with the gym and um, just doing my best in the gym. You know the fights come 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 on its own. And you know I've, I've had two great fights this year. And you know I'm thankful to God, for, with God because. Uh, because we guys that came with the hands up and won the fight. Absolutely. uh, You've got a lot of boxing skill, and of course that Mexican blood means that you can fight also. Now, I want to throw a fun fact in in here right now, Oscar. You, of course, stopped Jose Ramirez in quicker time than Lomachenko could stop him. You also stopped Evgeny Gradovich in quicker time than Lee Selby could, and you also stopped Chris Avalos in five rounds, and Leo Santa Cruz recently needed eight rounds to get rid of him. Sometimes those little facts don't really mean much, but you're knocking people out quicker than some of the other champions who perhaps have got bigger names than yourself. Do you take anything from those facts there? I find it very impressive. Um, to be honest, I just um, I've always just try to worry about myself. I've never try to compare myself to my other rivals, such as Leo Santa Cruz, like uh, like in the future, maybe Lomachenko. Just worry about myself, you know. And this is another fun fact that I realized. Uh, I didn't I didn't know that. Yeah, I'm not faster than these guys, but um, I mean it's good to know, you know. That, I know I got somewhat of a, of a punch and um, helping me out, but, uh, but I mean, what can I say? You know, it's just another great fact for me knowing that I stopped them earlier, but uh, a lot of these fighters that that I fought don't have a big name, but they're all great fighters. They're all, they're tough opponents, but a lot of these times just because we stopped them in the third round or fourth round doesn't mean they were great. They were a great talent, but, um, you know, I was always trying to learn something different from each fight.
And in your last four fights, you've also beaten two unbeaten fighters. Uh, Matthias Rueda for the vacant world title, who you stopped in two rounds, which was an incredible win. You've you've since then successfully defended your title three times against Osawa, uh, Mariaga, and taking the O, most recently taking the O of Genesis Savania, who was actually a little bit better than what I thought he was going into that fight. Which fight would you say so far in your career, Oscar, that you've learnt the most from, being 25? Three and with nineteen beautiful knockouts. One fight in particular that I, that I love, and just because I, because he was an ex world champion, you know, I just I think that was my first real tough fight uh, was with Granny Garnovich. And it was a it was a uh, it wasn't for the world title, but he had just recently lost a title with Elise Halby, so he we knew it was going to be a tough fighter, and. And we stopped him in the fourth round, I believe it. And, you know, I expected a lot more. You know, I was going in there um, very concentrating, knowing that I was, I meant to be a world champion. I wanted to accomplish my dream. And again, Granovich was in the way. So he wanted to come back. He wanted to jump back from that from that loss that he had with Lee Selby. And he wasn't no easy fighter, but, you know, I had the chances to knock him down and then stop the fight. And that was a, that was a very... Uh, a great experience in my career, even though it wasn't for the world title. The next I wasn't for the world title, but I still, the fight that I've loved the most is uh, with Gideon Granovich. Yeah, that was a very, very impressive performance, as I just said there. Now, I read online recently that Bob Arum wants you to fight three times in 2018. I think that it's been rumoured you may be returning to the ring in, in, in February at some point. Um, am I accurate with that, Oscar? Well, uh... I do really want to fight three times a year. Uh, so something that, I, that we've had a conversation. I want to stay as much as active as I can. You know, um, this, is, this is what I love to do. This is, I love boxing. I love fighting. I love being in the ring, in the arenas, and that type of. That's my lifestyle. So if I can stay active next year, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm up for it. I've, I've said that with my manager, Frank Espinosa, my father. That's a great part of my team, and um, and also with Bob Arum. You know, we're, we're, we're we're up to it. We want to fight three times a year. I want, I want all the big names. You know, if it was for me, I would, I would love to unify my titles. There's a lot we can do. There's a lot of great names out there, and you know, I'm just waiting for my turn. You know, I want, I want to fight. Every, I want to fight anybody that, that says he's the best. And just quickly, you are looking at getting back in there in February. Is that right? Well, I, we don't know dates. You know, if it's possible, uh, February, maybe March. Uh, I'll leave that to my promoter, but uh, I'll be ready. You know, these days, uh, even though the, we're not, we know we're not fighting this year. I'm just trying to stay as much as active as possible, I'm going to a gym every day, running, and staying active as much as possible. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I want to ask you about some of the other fighters in your division. I know that you like the big names. There's a lot of British fighters at featherweight with pretty big names. I'm not sure how big they are in in Mexico, but of course, you've got the likes of Carl Frampton, Lee Selby, Scott Quigg, Josh Warrington coming through at the moment. Are any of those guys on your hit list? I could choose. I'd rather choose Lee Selby. Nothing personal with him. I've actually met the guy. He's a a great guy, you know, uh, a great fighter, a true champion. I got nothing bad to say about him, but he holds a title. He holds a title, and uh, uh, I don't like what it's called. There's four champions. I want it to be like back in the days when there was only one champion. So if I could choose one out of all the UK fighters, I would choose uh, Lee Selby just because he has a belt. And um, obviously, you know, if, if, if Frampton's in the, in, in the mix, of course I would want to fight him. 
But um, those are my priorities. You know, if it's, if it's uh, Scott Quigg, if it's anybody else, you know, I'm, I don't mind fighting anybody. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not scared of nobody. And uh, I'm, I'm willing to fight anybody. That's what I'm trying to say. But if I could choose, I'd rather choose a title holder to unify my belt. And of course, you've also got the likes of Leo Santa Cruz, Abner Mares, which both make for great fights for the Mexican fans. Of course, you've also got Gary Russell Jr. He's also a champion who, uh, you know, he's doing really well, but he's pretty inactive at the moment. Who is actually the, the top guy on your hit list, you know, including all the champions, not just the UK, but who is the number one guy you'd like to fight if you had it your way, Oscar? Oh, if I had it my way... Uh... And I, I really don't like saying it this much because uh, I know it's hardly, it's maybe impossible because of the promoters. But if it was for me, I'd rather fight uh, Gary Russell. Why Gary Russell? Because he has a he has a green belt, the WBC belt. Every every fighter out there wants that belt. But um, obviously, if I have the chance for, to fight with Adam, with, I mean, with Los Santa Cruz that has the WBA belt, of course I want to fight him. But uh, these are fighters that it's going to be hard to make because of a promotional problems, maybe T V networks that uh that are gonna get in the way. So I wanna be as much realistic as I can. I think the only one that's that's possible right now is, is Frampton. So that's why I mentioned him that's that's the reason I mentioned more his name because it's a more possible fight. And uh you know, so that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for the big names. If if it, if I can, I'd rather fight a guy that's a title holder but um it all really does it really all does come to just fighting anybody. I, I'm, I'm the world champion. I'll, I'll literally fight anybody. So you believe that in a in a most realistic world, do you think that the next big name you will be sharing a ring with is likely to be Carl Frampton? Is that right? That's right. Okay, okay. Coming down to the last couple of questions now, Oscar, you're also the face of an energy drink called Wildcat, which is actually, I didn't know this, but it's actually a British company that, if I'm not mistaken, are quite big in America. Is, is it pretty cool being a face of an energy drink? Oh, well, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, they were with me when I became a world champion. I was very, I was very, I'm being very grateful with them and yeah, looking at me and trying to be a face of a, of a band that's from UK, you know, and it really does help me out a lot having getting more fans from, from the UK. And, and I was very, I'm very grateful for them uh, giving the chance to, to sponsor me and my world title fight. But uh, it just feels great being, being a, being noticed like that yeah yeah of course of course more more exposure the better now i want to put you on the spot a little bit here oscar um i don't know how good you are in terms of um like uk boxing history but i like to ask this question to everybody that we speak to from overseas who would you say is your favorite uk fighter from any era it can be a guy that's been retired for years and years it can be a guy that's still fighting now completely up to you um i like a lot of uh Amir Khan, I'm a big Amir Khan fan, just because of what he's done. He's been, he was a uh, he went to Olympics when he was 17 years old, and got the got the silver medal, and he has a great co- uh, professional career. I've actually said that um, uh, he's one of the best fighters out there till this day. You know, he's a danger to anybody. Uh, his uh, obviously we all know his chin was a problem, but um, he was definitely he's definitely to right now one of my favorite one of my favorite UK fighters. 
Yeah, another really exciting fighter, a man with huge cojones, um, Amir Khan. He, he just he will fight anybody. And the last question I've got for you now is, is not really a proper question, but I like to tell this to guys that we speak to also. Anything that you want to tell your UK fans? There'll be a lot of guys over here listening to this interview. What's your message to the UK supporters that you've got? Yeah, uh, you know, I've always wanted to say this, uh, stuff, you know, in the boxing world, UK, Mexico, USA, uh, Puerto Rico, boxing fans are the toughest fans to convince. I've always said the boxing fans are, are very, you can't make one mistake because you're going to get criticized from boxing, the boxing fans. But if I could say something, that, that every time I go on social media, all, all UK fans that are talking to me through, through Twitter, through Instagram, through you know all the social media, like Snapchat, um, I've got nothing but uh, but good comments and good. Uh, I felt the love from UK, and uh, I'm very grateful for that. I want to say I want to say to everyone thank you, and you know I'm willing I'm willing to put up good fights. You know it doesn't really matter where, when, who it is, but uh, just grateful for the fans that I got in UK, and uh, just for my behalf of me, I'll, I'll always give my best to keep on trying to put good fights. Yeah, the UK fans certainly recognise a good fighter and it'd be great, hopefully, to see your name in the mix or, you know, yourself over here in the UK fighting some of these some of these guys that we've got. But listen, Oscar, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you. We'll be looking out for what's next in your career, of course. Thank you for your time and we'll catch up again very soon. Uh, thank you. Thank you for having me here. And, you know, anytime, anytime I'm willing to take an interview. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the preview part. Ayaz isn't here, but he sent me the you know the most recent news anyway. So, of course, we've got Stephen Smith facing Francisco Vargas on December 9th. That's going to be on the undercard of um, Orlando Salido's uh, next fight. Um, also, we have Katie Taylor defending her world title against Jessica McCaskill. That one's going to be at York Hall. Her world title fight at York Hall. I'm looking forward to that. That's on December 13th, which I think is a Wednesday. It's a bit of a strange one there. And on the undercard of that, by the way, a really good fight um, at light heavyweight. Jake Ball against Miles Shinquin. That's a fight I really like. Um, also, the legendary cut man, Rafael Garcia's died, unfortunately, this week. He was aged 88. He's the guy who always was seen in the Mayweather gym, always in the corner with Floyd Mayweather. He's the guy who's... Um, He's like a little old guy who sort of used to wear one of those, uh, I don't even know what the hats are called, but I call them like an old man hat, and it had like a thousand little badges attached to it. You've definitely seen him. Um, yeah, he's he's unfortunately passed away. He was a guy that had been in many corners of some really good fighters. I think even Roberto Duran, so he's been around a long, long time. Uh, also... The two opponents have been announced. The opponents, of course, for James DeGaulle and Lee Selby. Those guys will be taking on... Lee Selby will be taking on Eduardo Ramirez, who's a undefeated Mexican. He's 20-0 with three draws. We'll talk about it more you know, closer to the time. But this guy, Eduardo Ramirez, has only just in his last fight got a draw. It was a split draw with Leduan Barthelemy, who was 13-0. and 0. That's actually the brother of former world champion Rancis Barthelemy. So uh, he seems to be a decent fighter here. Eduardo Ramirez, another fighter that Lee Selby takes on who... We're not really aware of them as being a big name kind of thing, but these guys that he takes on are all potential banana skins. It's, you know, we want to see him fight someone who we've heard of, who we know comes with a bit of danger. This guy, people are going to say, ah, 
now he's going to probably beat him easy when really he's probably a lot better than we're going to give him credit for before the fight and James DeGaulle will be taking on Caleb Truax I'm not quite sure I'm saying that right but his record's 28 and 3 with two draws um you know, I mean, he got he got stopped in the first round by Anthony Durrell. He got stopped in the twelfth round by Danny Jacobs. He also got beat by Jermaine Taylor back in 2012. Hasn't really got any good wins on his record, so I think that should be quite a routine defence there for James DeGaulle. Hopefully, we see him in something a little bit more enticing in the new year. Anyway, that's it for the news. We tried to dive through that as quick as possible. We're now going to move on to the previewing and talking of a man that we just mentioned there, Anthony Durrell, 30 and one with one draw fights this Friday actually so just tomorrow uh, it's going to be on USA Fox Sports 1 he takes on Dennis Duglin who's 20 and 5 Dennis Duglin was on the show I think it was last week now Dennis Duglin really nice guy that's a 10 rounder there all the very best to Dennis Duglin moving over now to the Hotel Haragua in the Dominican Republic Guillermo Jones 40 and 3 with two draws a man that seems to really be you know under the radar I mean he's, he's been around for of course a very long time but it just seems like I I often think he's retired, but then he ends up popping up with a fight out of nowhere. Anyway, he's taking on a guy who is 10-2 with two draws, a man called Talo Pereira. This one's going to be for the vacant WBA Feder Latin heavyweight title. Uh, moving over now to Poland in a venue that I'm not even going to try and pronounce, to be honest. On this bill, Thomas Adamek, 51-5. He's still fighting on. He's fighting for the vacant Republic of Poland international heavyweight title against Fred Cassie, a man that I saw recently, uh, most recently, in the ring against Huey Fury, and that seems like a long time ago now. Fred Cassie 18 and 6 with one draw. That's a 10 rounder there. Um, to be honest, that's a hard fight to call. I mean, Adamic so shot now. Fred Cassie. I mean, he's he's quite limited. That's going to be that's going to be an interesting fight to some degree. Also on that undercard, Adam Bowski as well. He's a Polish prospect, undefeated, ten and zero. He takes on Demetrius Banks, who's nine and two. Moving over now to the SSE Arena in Belfast, Northern Ireland. Um, Who's on this bill? We've got John O'Carroll. He's 14-0. His opponent yet to be announced. Paddy Barnes, 4-0, defending his WBO European flyweight title. His opponent yet to be announced. It's a bit of a shame there. Uh, there's a good fight on the bill. Daryl Williams, 16-0, takes on Lennox Clark, 15-0 with one draw. This one's for the English super middleweight title, the belt that Williams beat Jermaine Smile for, so that should be quite good. Uh, Zelani Tete takes on... Uh, a guy called Siboniso Gonya, who's 11 and 1, and one loss. I think he got he got beat. I'm not sure if he got stopped or he lost on a decision. But anyway, this guy Gonya, he's only 11 and 1, and the guy he lost to had had quite a poor record. I think this is going to be an easy, easy, easy win for Zelani Tete. I think he's going to probably stop him in style. And again, he's doing it in Northern Ireland, so it's some kind of attempt, really, to kind of say, "Look, I'm the best bantamweight." you know, fighter in the world. Where are you, Ryan Burnett? That's kind of what Frank Warren wants to do there. So Zelani Tete, 25-3. and three. I'm sure he'll be 26-3 and three this time next week. Carl uh, Frampton, of course, the return of the Jackal, 23-1. and one. He takes on Horatio Garcia, 33-3 and three with one draw. Um, I don't know too much about Horatio Garcia, Diego. Do you know much about him at all? Sorry to kind of put you on the spot like that. No, uh, no, man, I've not really heard about Horatio Garcia, to be honest. Yeah, no, me neither. I mean, I've looked at his record again. He's, you know, he's one of these South American fighters that 
you know he's got a couple of of names on his record but he hasn't really done anything that's jumped out to impress me kind of thing um he lost to joseph diaz um he got a draw against eric ruiz i mean he's he's quite limited um he lost to hasagawa actually i didn't know that that was back in 2015 um yeah, I mean, you know, like I say, he hasn't really hasn't really got the wins on his record, but he hasn't been stopped. He hasn't been stopped in his thirty three or thirty seven. Well, it's thirty three wins, thirty seven fights in total. Like I say, thirty three and three with one draw. Um, I've got to predict on this fight. Iaz has already sent me his predictions. For me, I think Carl Frampton's going to probably win this fight on points. Iaz has gone with Carl Frampton to win by knockout. And our listeners, I've actually asked a poll on Twitter, as per usual now for the Prediction League. And our poll on Twitter, our listeners, have actually gone with Carl Frampton to win by knockout as well. So hopefully for me, because I'm quite behind now, hopefully for me, Frampton wins on points. Um, you know, I think Frampton, since he's moved up in weight, I don't really think he's carried the power up. I mean, I don't want to ever say that he was like a massive power puncher. I think when he stepped it up in level, he's he's really kind of, he's not really the puncher that we perhaps first thought he was. But no, he's a brilliant fighter, Frampton. Listen, he's probably Britain's best fighter, to be completely honest, pound for pound. Um, yeah, so I think he's going to probably win that fight quite handily over the distance. And of course, on this bill as well, it's a um, it's a triple, no, it's a, it's a double world title card, this one, and a, and, and a European title's on the on the line as well. Uh, Jerwin Ancajas, he's 27-1 and one with one draw. He takes on the brother of Michael Conlon, Jamie Conlon, 19-0. and oh, It's for the IBF World Super Flyweight title. Um... This is a fight that we've got to predict as well. Ayaz goes with Jamie Conlon to win on points. Our listeners have been quite harsh. They've actually gone with Ankahas to win by knockout, which I thought was quite surprising. I am going to go with Ankahas on points, which nobody really thinks will happen. But I'm going to go with Ankahas on points. I can't really see Jamie Conlon being knocked out. But listen, one thing is for sure, Jamie Conlon always brings an exciting fight. He often, you know neglects his defense and takes a load of punches in the face he's a serious little warrior and hopefully listening hopefully he does become the super flyweight champion of the world but it's a real 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 test this one and it's some brilliant boxing being brought over to northern ireland for our northern ireland listeners it's uh, it's, it's great that the boxing's coming to you hopefully you, you know you can get down there yourselves it should be a great night of action moving over now to the usa at the crossroads arena in mississippi usa former world champion demarcus chop chop Corley. Unfortunately, he's been fighting on a little bit too long now, in my opinion, but he's 50 wins and 28 losses, his record, with one draw. Of course, he took on Floyd Mayweather and a bunch of other guys. He takes on a guy who's 8-32 and 32 with two draws. Not quite sure what that's about. It's an eight-rounder there. All the very best to Demarcus Corley. Moving over now to the Claridge Hotel and Casino in Atlantic City, New Jersey, USA. One fight to mention on this bill, Devin Haney, the undefeated prospect, 18-0. and 0. There's been all sorts of stories about Devin Haney, perhaps. Um, I don't want to start spreading stuff, but I did hear that Devin Haney apparently knocked Javante Davies out or down in sparring, and Devin Haney's only like 18 years old or something like that, so definitely one to watch out for. He's in an eight-rounder against a guy called Taiwo Ali, who is 21-5 and five with one draw. I do want to see Devin Haney step it up a bit now, especially if these sparring stories are true. Moving over now to the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas in Nevada, USA. On this bill, um, there's really one fight to mention. Top of the bill, Julian J. Rock Williams, 23-1 and one with one 
one draw. Of course, we saw him step it up against Jamal Charlo. He got knocked out in that fight. He takes on former IBF world champion Ishe Smith, 29-8. and eight. That's going to be a 10-rounder there. It's on Bounce TV in the US. It's a Mayweather card, this one. Julian Williams is the, the traveling fighter. We will be speaking to Julian Williams in a short while. Um, this is a fight, again, that we've asked our listeners about and we've asked ourselves about I've gone with I think Julian Williams is going to become the first man to stop Ishe Smith our listeners believe that Ishe Smith I think they were going with Ishe Smith let me just quickly check our listeners think that oh it's a tie between Ishe Smith and J-Rock to win this one both on points so what I'm going to do is retweet it and hopefully we get some you know hopefully we get some more votes on there just to nudge it Um, but yeah I'm going to go with a knockout win and Ayaz has gone with a points win. So we've both gone with J-Rock there. I'm going to just retweet that. Hopefully by the end of the show, we have a definitive choice. Um, that's it for that one. Moving over now to Tuesday of next week. It's actually going to be the 21st of November. Uh, just the the couple last fights to mention now, 21st of November, so by the time next week's show goes out, these fights would have happened. There's one fight happening at the Coliseum in St. Petersburg, Florida, USA. It's going to be on Fox Sports 1. Um, one fight to mention on this bill, really. Return of the former world champion, Devon Alexander, 26-4. and four. He takes on Walter Castillo's also 26-4 and four with one draw. That's a very tough fight to come back to, in my opinion, for Devon Alexander. Again, he's a fighter, really, that was really good at one point and kind of just seems to have lost his head and he's been out the ring for such a long time now I think maybe maybe about two years if I'm not mistaken so um yeah hopefully he pulls off the win I'd like to see Devon back in the picture really um I hope he hasn't ballooned up in weight too much at all hopefully he comes back because he was a good fighter at one stage and like I say you know his head just kind of was off the game a little bit and you know he wrecked up a couple of losses against guys where if he was on his A game he probably wouldn't have lost also on this bill by the way Gary Russell Jr.'s two brothers, Gary Antoine Russell and Antonio Russell. They're both on this bill. Their opponents yet to be announced. They're both in six rounders. Uh, they're both undefeated as well. One of them's 2-0. and That's Gary Antoine Russell and Antonio Russell is 9-0. and So again, we will talk about these fights on next week's show when they have happened. And the final couple of fights to mention now on this on, on this preview part, this one again on Tuesday, next Tuesday, I don't think this one's going to be televised, but it's a show in the US, it's at the Sands Bethlehem Event Center in Pennsylvania, um, a guy that was on the show recently, Alantis Fox, the guy that unfortunately lost to Demetrius Andrade, I say unfortunately, I like both guys, but unfortunately for Alantis Fox, he lost that fight, his brother, Michael Fox, is 14-0, and 0. if I'm not mistaken, I think he's actually fighting at 140, Diego, this guy... I'm telling you about this guy, Michael Fox. He's 14 and 0. He, as I say, I think he's I think he's at 140. Do you know how tall this guy is? For he's 140. Bear in mind. No, I'm not. No, I'm not sure. How tall is he? Six foot three and a half, and he's 140, which is wow. just mad. Yeah, <laughs> it's mad. That's and his, his brother, his brother, um, you know, his brother's at um. His brother's at middleweight, and he's six foot four. But like I say, he came up short to Demetrius Andrade a couple of weeks back now. So all the very best to Michael Fox. Like I say, fourteen and oh, he takes on Marlon Aguas. And on the main event here, the only reason I've mentioned it, Diego, is because there's a guy here called Frank Dialba who's twenty-two and two with two draws. He's taking on a guy called Ivan Najera. I'm wondering if he's some sort of cousin of yours. He's seventeen and three. Oh, Bam Bam Najera. No, 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 he's not, man. He's not. But he's, uh, <laughs> you know, um, he 
Yeah, uh, initially there was sort of a bit of hype around him, but he took a, took some losses, man. Uh, I think he's just on that comeback trail, man. But no, no connection. No connection. All right. Well, Thank anyway, because he's because he's got the, sur- the the same surname as you, we're gonna we're gonna give him the best of luck. So all the very best there to yeah. Ivan Najera. Anyways, that wraps up the preview. In like I say, I've tried to fly through the preview in um, a little bit here. Tried to go through it as quick as possible. We've been without eyes, but we've still managed. Again, we've done the predictions. Of course, as always, best of luck to everybody uh, that's given a prediction. Like I say, by the end of the show, once we've got past this next interview, hopefully we have a determined result on the poll between Julian Williams and Ishe Smith but like like I say Diego thanks once again for coming on the show thank you once again for filling Ayaz's shoes you've done it a it's few a times and uh, like I say thank you every time so uh, it's, it's now time to say goodbye to Diego like I say Diego thanks my man thank you no it's a pleasure man all right, my man. Excellent yeah. stuff. Right okay now just before we end part two there's one last thing to do and that of course is to welcome guest number two Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former IBF junior middleweight world title challenger, Mr. Julian J. Rock Williams. Julian, welcome to the show. How you doing? I'm good, my man. I'm good, my man. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. So, Julian, obviously, you know, you've got a big fight coming up this weekend. But if we just travel back to just before the Charlo fight, I remember you badly wanted to fight one of the Charlos. You finally got the shot. And to be honest, going into that fight, a lot of people were split on who they thought, you know, who they thought would win the fight. Everybody knew it was going to be a good fight going in. Unfortunately for you, despite it being a good fight in the first few rounds, you walked onto a jab in the second. Ultimately, the fight got stopped in the fifth. By the way that you got knocked down in that fifth round the first knockdown from the right uppercut I was actually shocked that you got up it was a really good shot um, how did you assess that fight though J-Rock what positives can you take out of that I thought it was a, a close fight a fight that I was edging and had a little bit impatient and it cost me you know I uh, I took out of that fight that I knew I belonged at that level you know what I mean I didn't get outclassed and beat up I got caught with a good shot and sometimes in boxing that happens yeah, no, of course, of course. And, you know, you gave Charlo a lot to think about in those early rounds. You caught him with some good shots yourself, and he clearly respected your power. Also, as I said, you you know, you showed some great heart that night. Um, you know, first mm-hmm. proper step up for you. Now, I know it was a bad night to look back on, and obviously, you know, I don't want to kind of dwell on it too much, but would you say that you've learned stuff from it? Has it made you a smarter fighter in any way? Absolutely. In in which way? Can you talk about that? Well, just, just, just more so having patience in the ring. You know what I mean? And uh, just letting things play out instead of forcing, forcing certain shots. You know what I mean? That's about it, really. Yeah, no, of course. You know, it's uh, as the as the phrase goes, they say it's, it's not a sprint; it's a marathon of course boxing. So, as no I mentioned, as I mentioned a moment ago, there, J Rock, you will be fighting this Saturday on a Mayweather show against the former IBF world champion Ishe Smith. What do you know about Ishe Julian? Have you ever sparred him at all? I never sparred Ishe. I know he's a um, he's a rough tough veteran. You know. Uh, he's coming off a couple of wins himself. He's an ex-world champion. And now he's a good fighter. And as you say there, he's a bit of a veteran. I was looking down his career today. It's probably a, you know the first time in quite a while I've looked down his record. I couldn't believe it. He's almost 40 years old. Obviously, he's been a, he's been a right. pro for 17 years. When you look down his right. you know, down his career at some of the names he's fought, he's fought some really good fighters. He's only, he's only lost eight fights, but he's never been stopped. Do you believe that you can become mm-hmm. the first man to stop him? Absolutely, I think uh, I think anybody can be knocked out in the boxing ring. You know, just uh, just a couple of fights ago, Austin Trump was never stopped either. You know what I mean? And yeah. he got stopped. anybody Anybody can be stopped. You know, yeah, that, that was a great boxing. Fight. You, hit, you hit the guy. 
get that. That was a great fight, right? You hit the guy in the right spot, you know, and get him out. Boxing. And providing you get through this fight, of course, you're ranked number six in the WBC, number eight in the IBF, number 13 in the WBO. All three of those sanctioning bodies have got different champions. You've got Jamel Charlo, Jamel, sorry, yeah, Jamel Charlo with the WBC, Jarrett Hurd with the IBF, mm-hmm. and of course, WBO champion is Miguel Cotto. Who do you want to fight most out of those guys, providing you get through this? I think it's all about equal. You know, I'll, uh, I'll fight whoever for provide me with the opportunity. But I haven't really thought about who I who, who I'd rather fight, you know. Uh because I'm I'm, I'm focused on issues Smith. Yeah, now that's you know, I'm I'm happy to hear you say that that is the way it should be. Um Yeah. But is there any, I mean, like I say, kind of the same question again. Is there anybody at all that you really do want to fight aside from Ishe Smith in the division? Doesn't have to be a title holder. Right now it's just Ishe, Ishe Smith. Okay. Fair enough. And and by the way, I wasn't quite sure. Who are you being promoted by at the moment, J-Rock? I'm solid Al Heyman. Al Heyman, okay, okay. I don't, I don't have a promoter, but I'm with Al Heyman. Because I know this card's, I think it's um, TGB Promotions and Floyd Mayweather, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. And by the way, do you see your future definitely at light middleweight, or do you see yourself moving up at all? I think I want to I wanna, um, win the title here first, and then I'll definitely move up. And what are you making of Jamal Charlo's impact up at up at middleweight? I know he's only had the one fight. He looked okay. The guy he fought was was injured. But do you think he can do big things up there? Who knows? Probably, maybe. Got to fight the fights. And I want to ask you. I think, he, uh, I think he, got the, he got the he got the ability to do good things though. Do you respect him more now since fighting him? Do I respect him more? Yeah, since fighting him. I know that before you you know you he wasn't in your good books. Let's just say. Uh, no, I mean, I, I respect him as the same as I did, you know, uh, as before before, you know. Is that, I don't respect him no more, no less. Is that is that a fight that you do want down the line to try and avenge, or are you not really too bothered? Come on, man, of course I do. That's a no-brainer. Of course I want that back. So your dream then, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting from you now, your dream is to win a world title here, move up and then have the rematch at middleweight against, uh, you know, the uh, the turkey I want to call him now because you're on the line, Jamal Charlie. <laughs> right, right, right now the dream is to beat Ishii Smith on, on Saturday night. Okay. Ask, me about, ask me about my dreams after I beat Ishii Smith. Okay, my man. Okay, okay. And I want to ask your opinion also on a, on, on a fight. I want to ask which which fight are you looking forward to most, actually? Um, and then we can talk about the fight. Are you looking forward more to uh, Miguel Cotto taking on Saddam Ali, or are you looking at uh, Billy Joe Saunders and David Lemieux? Which fight between those two, you know, get your taste kind of thing? Neither, honestly. I'm, I'm looking. I'm more looking forward to Rick and and Lomachenko. Okay, I'm going to talk about that one. How do you see that one playing out? Great fight. That's just a great fight. I mean, I don't even know how. I mean, I don't know how that's going to play out. Yeah, it's a, certainly a, a, one, a fight there that everybody's torn on. Everybody's split on. Um, is there any? Is there any fighters that you're you know into watching right now? Who's your, uh, you your know what I mean? I'm just a, I'm just a boxing fan. I'm just a boxing fan, so I watch I watch all boxing. I don't watch nobody specifically. Who Who are some of your favorites? Of course, Rigondeaux. I like Lomachenko. You know, uh, I'm an Andre Ward fan. I like Kovalev. Oh yeah. Um, Linares is definitely one of one of my top five favorites. I mean, I'm I'm just a boxing fan. Yeah. Would you be interested in the Mikey Garcia Linares fight if that hopefully happens? Mikey Garcia and who else? Oh, that's a that's a that's a that's an amazing fight. That's a super fight, if you ask me. 
Yeah, beautiful fight. Hopefully it does happen at some point. And just coming down to the last couple questions I've got for you now, J-Rock, I, uh, I like to ask this question to everybody that we speak to from overseas. I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here. Who would you say is your favorite UK fighter from any era? It can be a guy that's been retired for years. It can be a guy who's still fighting in okay. any era. I would say I got two of them. Chris Nassim and uh, Joe Kazaki. Oh, yeah, two very popular... Uh, t- popular answers actually everybody says Prince Nassim but sometimes we do get Joe Calzaghe uh, what did you like most yeah. about those guys tremendous fighters uh, man, Prince Nassim just had so much confidence and he was so entertaining and that's what and he can actually fight that's what boxing is about you know people you know want to be entertained and people want knockouts and he gave them he gave them both I think uh, special fighters like him don't really come around too often you know, uh, I mean, I, I wouldn't teach my son how to fight like that. But what he had, you, you can't teach. You can't teach confidence, you know. Something you got to be born with. Or it's something that has to grow over time. You know, so uh, I think for, for just from that aspect, you know, he was uh, I, I was a big fan of his. And Kawasaki, you know, is the same thing. You know, uh, he did come over to the U.S. a little bit late. But when he came over here, he fought everybody. And uh, more importantly, he knew how to win a fight. And he knows how to dig down deep. He's always, he, he gets knocked down early in fights. Sometimes he gets up and shake it off, and he, he fights his butt off. And uh, he knows how to win. you got to respect the guy who can just win. You know, but he was entertaining as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Kawasaki, uh yeah, one of the, uh, you know, I don't think he gets too much credit these days, unfortunately. But, of course, as you say there, he, uh, you know, retired undefeated, one of Britain's best, absolutely. Um, right, coming down to the last thing I, I just want to say to you, really, J-Rock, obviously, I'm sure that you know this anyway, but British fight fans are, you know, amongst some of the best fight fans in the world. I'm sure you've got loads and loads oh, of British amazing. fans. I'm sure, I'm sure you've got loads of British yeah. fans. I just really wanted to give you an opportunity to send out a message to uh, to your UK fans that may be listening. I just hope uh, all the UK fans tune in however you can and watch uh, me put on a spectacular performance and uh, just a great show and uh, put and, and get a win. And if people in a spectacular aren't, fashion. If people aren't already following you on social media, where can they follow you, J Rock? Follow me on Instagram at J Rock Boxing, and follow me on Twitter at J Rock Boxing. I'm also on Facebook too, uh, at Julian Williams. Okay, so everybody get following. Okay, listen, Julian, it's been a real pleasure speaking with you, my friend. Best of luck for Saturday. Thank you for your time, okay. and we'll catch up sometime after. No problem. Yep, thank you. Okay, and this wraps up episode 109 of the Box Heart Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Diego Najera has been with me for the duration of the show also. Big thank you to him. A big thank you to our two guests on this week's show also, the undefeated featherweight world champion Oscar Valdez and the former world title challenger Julian J. Rock Williams. Last week, we have to remember that Smith versus Williams happened, and I was back in Williams. This week, Ishe Smith versus Julian Williams is happening. Two back-to-back weeks of Smith versus Williams and yet again I'm riding with Williams I think I was the only one to to notice that coincidence but anyways thank you so much for listening next week we will have a little surprise on the show we're going to be doing something that we've never done before so stay tuned for that the Smith and Williams poll got an extra couple of votes by the way and the listeners have now gone with a Williams points win best of luck with that prediction enjoy your weekends people and we will see you next week